Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this afternoon via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders played sort of okay this week, but uh, as has been uh, standard for this season, uh, they only had one actual win <laughs> to uh, count on uh, and the other two... One good performance and one sort of meh performance uh, amounted to exactly zero points, which... Maybe at this part of the season wouldn't really be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and uh, I think one thing that's been fun to watch on Twitter and uh, whatnot is after the game, especially after the loss, it's uh, talking about how every loss seems to be a, a microcosm of the season. Yeah, uh, that's that's the big catchphrase now, and uh, <laughs> the the past three games were definitely hit that uh, hit that note. I mean, especially the the avalanche game the yeah. i mean that was i was saying that if you if you had the 2021 to 2022 islanders bingo card it was basically <laughs> full um mm. but I, I did jot down that over the past three games the islanders have had uh three disallowed goals uh two goals <laughs> against from below the red line two pucks roll off the top of the net and not go in for them uh one goal off of an islanders tummy and uh two thir- uh, blown third period leads mm. uh so yeah, I mean, it's just it's Lou Lamarillo who 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 never talks, um, <laughs> and and when he does talk, he doesn't say anything. And right. He's a master at that art, and he did say something uh, on Tuesday to the Athletic and one other 
uh, news outlet <laughs> is how Kevin Kerr's like to, to put it. Cause I guess you're not allowed to name other news outlets if you work for the athletic. Um, but <laughs> he said to, uh, in an interview with Andrew Gross and Kevin Kerr's that the Islanders, um, he, that he couldn't make some of the stuff up that's come, that's gone wrong for the Islanders. And to hear Lou, who's famous for the, <laughs> you can never, you, there's, you can never say anything about, you can never make an excuse. Basically mm. Lou is, is pretty steadfast in that for him to almost do it tells you just like how zany uh mm. the past five months we're, we're you know we're getting towards the fifth month of the season here thankfully mm. it's almost done um and to hear him say it means that it's not just the fans and who are noticing that there's some sort of hex right now on the team and uh if lose lose acknowledging it it's uh it's a pretty big deal yeah oh yeah definitely and uh the funny thing about the games this week is that against the two best opponents, the Islanders played really, really well. And again, came away with only one victory and against arguably the worst opponent that they played, they kind of slept walked through <laughs> half the game, uh, but still managed to have a bunch of leads uh, and then lose them all. And uh, yeah, there was a lot. It was like, Oh, there was also two uh, pregame ceremonies for two vastly different Defenseman. I don't know if you could find two different people than Zdeno Chara and Jack Johnson, but they were both uh, feted before their uh, respective games. But we'll just go through them real quick. Uh, so back on Tuesday, um, you know, there was a game against in uh, the Avalanche in Denver, and this was one. I mean, I don't think a lot of people were expecting the Islanders to come away with any points from this game at all. Um, we'll talk about Devon Taves when we're done in a second, but um, the Islanders played really, really well in this game except for the fact that they kept turning the puck over to the avalanche, which is not really a great idea. Uh, the effort was there. The uh, the strength was there. They did not have Matt Barzell in the lineup. They did not have Zidane Char in the lineup again. Um, and, you know, things could have gone off the rails in a hurry. Of course, Nathan McKinnon scores uh, early, but then Ryan Pollock tied it. And then Devon Taves scores from the slot. And then J.G. Pajot ties it. And then all of a sudden, Palmieri scores. And it's, you know, you're going into the third period with a lead, slim that it may have been, was probably more than anybody could have possibly hoped. But then, of course, the Avalanche remembered that they were the Avalanche. And all of a sudden, two bad clears turned into two quick goals. And before you know it, the game is over. And it's like, what what, what, the, what happened? We just had a lead in this game. Well, that's what happens. You turn the puck over. And then both, both turnovers were very similar. Scott Mayfield tried to clear the puck up the boards, got picked off by somebody, and got smacked in by Gabriel Landeskog. Aho, oh, sorry, he had the actually he had his goal weight of off, which is the first one you talked about. Um, but then you know Pollock tried the same thing, got picked off, and it was scored by Andre Burkowski again off of Andy Green's stomach or chest or arm or whatever it was, and uh, and that was it. They played hard and they gave it all they could, but you know this team, that team is just too good, and. Uh, the Avalanche racked up a ton of shots, but ultimately the high danger chances were really in the Islanders' favor. And that gave them a 2-2-1 five-game road trip, which, you know, in most cases is pretty good. But, of course, in this lost season, it's just kind of more salt for the wound. Uh, and, you know, you think of all the things that could have happened to have been ended up being, you know, 4-1-0. Uh, and Because that really that, that game against the Kings was really the only really terrible one they played. Um what did you make of this game, and uh, what did you think? I mean, to me, it was they played hard and just turned the puck over too much. I don't know if you saw anything. Yeah, they. I think they played really well, and the, they they kind of showed a blueprint for how you have to play against the team like that, which uh, is 
what when the Islanders were were really playing well the past few years when they played opponents like the Avalanche or whoever, and um, it was they would be overmatched in terms of talent, but the game plan was always really well uh, executed, and that's mm. what they did, and that's something that they haven't really done much this season against uh, superior opposition because we, we remember the first couple months of the season they they didn't beat anybody good for a while <laughs> they were oh, yeah that they kept bringing that point up and um this this game you know, i think the trip in general that road trip plus um the, the two games at home the i guess you can draw a line through the canucks and the kings but even so that's five out of seven games i would say the islanders played well enough to expect to have a chance to win um and they're showing they're showing signs of what we've been looking for uh, all season, what they did last year. And that's encouraging for next year. And it's also encouraging to see that uh, you Kyle Palmieri, for example, is a perfect example. Like if, if Kyle Palmieri wasn't having a nightmare first half, <laughs> you're looking at a completely different kind of uh, season here where the Islanders are uh, playing closer to the, their standards that they set coming in. Um mm. But yeah, I thought the game in, in in general, like I thought Ilya Sorokin was really good too. Like it's and he's been good since he got got a breather uh, after uh, Varlamov was released from COVID protocol. Like he, since he got that day off, like he's looked a lot lot better. Um, I think you know, Noah Dobson can, can, has continued his ascendancy, and uh, like Palmieri, I said, has been playing really well. I think you've seen a lot of good signs from a lot of players who are going to be really important for next season, which is encouraging. Um, and it, it sucks that, that, you know, that's what we're talking about here <laughs> a couple of weeks before the trade deadline. Um, but right. it does change like the outlook, the general outlook of it's like this season is what it is at this point, and, and you're looking for anything to keep you engaged in it. And um, that's how I've been, been watching. And I thought that that avalanche game especially was just uh, when these guys are on song and on the same page, like they can play with these these really good teams as long as the goaltending holds, holds up, which it did. And yeah, I, they were really unlucky. I think the, the Aho play, this mm. the, the thing that pissed me off the most was what say what you want about the, um, if that puck went in or not, nobody will know because it's just <laughs> impossible because the NHL doesn't have a foolproof plan for, for that. Mm. Uh, there's no chip in the puck, like goal line technology, like they have in soccer or whatever. And um, even, so even if it, was rightly ruled off um conclusively which is a little frustrating because it was called a goal on the ice uh he he was stripped yes <laughs> on the way down yeah. like as like blatantly to t- taken down and it was going to be one of those oh that you know, if 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 aho shot that and kemper just ate it up uh somebody would have said you know it's not a bad penalty because whoever that the avalanche player was he was he was well beaten by aho and the islanders mm-hmm. were to have like a two-on-one down low um but but that kind of point was just never brought up again that he, yeah. he he was tripped so there was like a lot that that went wrong in that play and as soon as as soon as it was ruled off and there was no penalty you knew that <laughs> there was going to be a puck in the back of the islanders net very yeah. very soon thereafter uh and there was yeah uh barry trotz brought that up and he i think he even said something to the effect of you know the goal getting waved off didn't really bother him so much but not getting the penalty there was but not getting a power play there was the worst part because he was tripped and that's why they were so mad. But yeah, um, you know, the other thing too, I, I thought, and you bring up a good point about like how to play against those teams. I, I haven't watched the avalanche all that much, to be honest with you, but 
to me, the thing that really sticks out to them and the big difference between them and the Islanders, particularly going forward, aside from the obviously talent level, is that the Avalanche don't ask for permission. Like they just go ahead and do stuff. They don't kind of, you know, try and lay little passes onto teammates sticks as gently as possible. They don't treat the puck like a Fabergé egg. They just go ahead and do, they don't dust the puck off before taking a shot. They just shoot from anywhere and they racked up 43 shots in that game. And, uh, uh, at Sorokin, like you said, was very good. He made 38 saves and, uh, they just don't wait. Like they go ahead and they do it. And then they, they react to whatever the result is. And I wish the Islanders had more of that. Unfortunately, they don't have a lot of guys that think that way. I mean, I guess Oliver Wallstrom is probably one, but everybody else is a very kind of cerebral player. They think first. They don't kind of just do. And I, I think that's, you know, a huge difference there. And if you want to see, you know, when when Trotz says he wants more firmness in the Islanders game, I'm pretty sure he means that, you know, make a commitment to do something and then do it and then figure out what happens afterwards. And, you know, you can see right from the get-go, they were just shooting all over the place. Uh, McKinnon's shot, you know, he didn't wait. He got that puck and he just wheeled into the slot and he shot it and it went in because that's just the way it works. So I wish there was a little bit more of that uh, in the Islanders game. And and again, if you have that plus the structure that they normally play with, that's how the Islanders are generally pretty successful. So let's talk about Devon Taves. He had three points in that game. Uh, that was easily the most irritating part of it. You know, losing to the Avalanche is one thing, but like, this is easily the most irritating thing. And I kind of lost it a little bit on Twitter. And I was like, you know, congratulations to the athletic. This is exactly what you hope for. I hope you soak it in and enjoy it. This is what you wanted. Um, the thing that I found really irritating about this, and this is not just one outlet. It was multiple outlets. They kept, they talked to Taves before the game and probably after the game about being traded. And they kept saying it, framing it like Devon Taves holds no ill will towards Lamorello and the Islanders for trading him to Colorado. Like, why on God's green earth would Devon Taves have any will, ill will, will otherwise, ill or otherwise, towards the Islanders for trading him to a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations? Even last year when the Avalanche lost in the second round and the Islanders went on to the, co- the conference finals, like, he's still on a really good team. Like, what, why, who, who holds ill will towards this? Per- why? He did him a favor. Like, you know, this is the best possible thing that could have happened to Devon Taves. I know they got to ask about the trade and they got to frame it some way, but to frame it as if he has no ill will, I'm sure Lou was really, was really losing sleep over the ill will <laughs> that he thought Devon Taves had for him after trading him to the best team in the NHL. Like, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's because that's how that trade's been yeah, framed forever. It's yeah. like, it's like that Lou pulled the out, rug out from under Devon right. Taves and, and stabbed him in the back. And, and it, it's and funny we- that the guy having the MVP season on the Avalanche, Nazem Kadri, was traded there by the Leafs for Alex Kerfoot and Tyson Barry, who's not even there anymore. And yet somehow that trade doesn't come up all that often. It's only the <laughs> Devon Taves trade that comes up all the time when talking about the Avalanche. Nobody ever talks about the Nazem Kadri trade that, that you know has helped the Avalanche so far this year. No. <laughs> no, was, that was a, that was a dubious stroke of of, yeah. of genius. That was shrewd, <laughs> right? But yeah, uh, and and also that Lou Lou was the one who signed Kadri to this deal, which has been a steal for the Avalanche now, right. but and the Maple Leafs before that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's and, and I like that Devontae's reaction was like, yeah, no, I love Lou, and yeah, <laughs> it's it's been. I, I mean, and we, we I only have been paying attention to this since he's taken over the Islanders, but it's every player who has uh, been hard done by, right. let's say by the Islanders uh, 
or that's how they frame it in the media. When they ask about Lou, they all just have the nothing but nice things to say about him. Yeah. Like even Josh Hosang, who right. the Islanders kept jettisoning. Robin Leonard, all of Robin, them. Like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, the, it's it's this the new wave of um, you know, hockey media right. elites are yeah. just trying so hard to find that skeleton and lose closet or something. It's, it's, it's really funny uh, how obsessed this, this like narrative is. And um, <laughs> it's, and, and like one, you, you, you touched on it, but one thing that never gets brought up when the Islanders and the Devon Taves trade are mentioned is uh, the Islanders made it to the conference finals without him last year. <laughs> right. uh, so it's not like, it's, it's like, it's almost, it sounds like when people write about it, which they do <laughs> once a week, no matter what article it is um, on the athletic, like at least one article a week. We'll mention Devontae's is trade to the avalanche. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, yeah, nobody ever mentions that the Islanders got along just fine without him last year. I mean, he, we both and everybody who roots for the Islanders would love to have him, but uh, yeah, they, they never say that. So it's, it's, they, it's framed as if the Islanders traded this guy away and, they haven't won a game since because of that. And uh, that's not how it's gone uh, mm. for, for this franchise or him. And, and he's also playing for, for a team. And, and this is where I think like maybe what he was getting at with like the loyalty thing is that uh, you, like you said, Lou traded him to the Stanley cup favorite uh, mm. for, from last year and for this year. So it wasn't like he traded him to Ottawa Arizona or something like that, or Arizona. Like, <laughs> like this was, he, I'm sure that he hit him and Taves had a conversation because it seems like that's what Lou does with basically mm. everybody. Um, and provides the context and whatever, and kind of gets the the players okay almost mm. uh, for the trade, even if they don't have these no trade clauses. And uh, that's why everyone seems to love him because he, if he if he is going to do something like this, he does seem to take care of you and and make sure that you're you're going to a spot that helps your career rather than just completely ruins it. Like even even the Andrew Ladd thing, mm. there's one team in the NHL that could have taken Andrew Ladd and and put him into a lineup for however many games he's played this season, and that's Arizona. That's where he ended up. Mm. And uh, there's th- so it's like for for all the um, you know for for the the off season that Lou had in the roster construction for for all the warts, like it it doesn't seem like um, everyone is on the same page when it comes to how he is uh, portrayed and yeah. uh, the hockey hockey verse. Because uh, on, on one hand, is the he's just you know old hockey man who's doing stupid things and giving Ross Johnston these contract <laughs> extensions that are going to hinder the Islanders forever. And on the other hand, it's the, where the players, the people who actually know him on a personal level are like, this guy's the best. Like he's, right. we love yeah. him. So yeah, uh, yeah uh, it's, it's, it's a really, really interesting conversation. And, and one where when you hear people complaining about certain things and you, you got to just wonder, oh, like how would that person know? <laughs> what what they're yeah. complaining about oh yeah well it's especially... one thing to be like look he he didn't get a a, a replacement for nicoletti or jordan everly mm. uh that's that's one thing but it's in a whole other thing for him for you to for people to be like lou is you purposefully making this team older and and slower and mm. trying to play the 2001 devils all over again because and he treats his players like like crap with like Taves and, and Hossein because that doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just, and especially when a lot of the people making those claims uh, have not been in a room with Lou Lamorello ever and probably never will be, but uh, we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a whole discussion about that later on. Uh, the uh, avalanche are actually going to be at UBS arena 
on Monday, the day that this is, you're probably listening to this. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. And we don't want to make this uh, podcast obsolete, uh, you know, a few hours after we recorded it. Uh, so I will say that, you know, it can the Islanders beat the Avalanche? Yeah, I think we saw a scenario in which they can. Uh, they're going to need to limit those turnovers and they're going to need to play with that same amount of energy that, um, you know, they played with uh, last week. So, you know, it, it can be done. And, and hopefully that that game last week wasn't the high point of this little sort of mini series between these two teams. But uh, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, so expect some more Devon Tavesy kind of stuff and then expect some more Devon Taves stuff uh, when voting happens and he doesn't win the Norris Trophy. And people are going to say, oh, I can't believe he didn't win the Norris Trophy. Well, yeah, yeah. it's a crime that Devon Taves only got eight first place votes. It just yeah. shows that the way that we look at these awards is just so archaic. Yeah. Do away with the voting. Only, you know, <laughs> make sure have it based on I don't know whatever height or something. Whatever. Anyway. Anyway. But moving on. So so that was that was in Denver again. It was you know disappointing end, but you know I think a pretty pretty encouraging game altogether. So then they come back to uh, Long Island and uh, the Vancouver Canucks are waiting for them. They've already been in town. They played the uh, Devils and Rangers, I believe, at that point. Uh, they beat the Rangers, uh, and, uh, you thought, okay, well, this team is pretty good. They've been pretty good since Bruce Boudreaux took over, but you know, they're not the avalanche. So this shouldn't be too hard. Well, guess what? They lost. Um, and again, they kind of slept walked to the first couple of periods. First period wasn't really much of anything. The Islanders killed two penalties. That was about it. We'll talk about penalties again in a second. Um, Noah Dobson scored his 10th goal of the year, uh, with Anders Lee in front. It was pretty sweet. The fact that Noah Dobson has 10 goals and since whatever it is, December 1st, he's like, I don't know, leading defenseman and scoring or something like that. Crazy uh, is great. And he, you know, more than anybody, he's really come along this year. And uh, as bad as the season's been for the Islanders, I think we could all agree that Noah Dobson has had a, a really not just the, obviously the best season of his career, but like a really kind of revelatory season, which has been fun to watch. Uh, after that goal, though, it was all Canucks. Uh, Brad Hunt and uh, JT Miller scored really soft goals on somebody of Varlamov from distance. Neither one of them was particularly uh, good. Uh, I thought Varlamov's performance in this game was actually kind of funny because he made a, a ton of saves really up close, like with the Canucks right on the doorstep. He was flashing the pads, and he was really all over the place. And then the two, the first two goals he gives up are both from like the parking lot, and they just go in, and you're like, dude, what are you doing out here? His... We'll talk about the trade deadline in the second half, but like I, I just I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine there's a team out there looking at this guy and being like, "Yeah, I think we can we can get him, and he's going to help us in the playoffs." Because I mean, he has the playoff pedigree for the last two years for sure. But boy, he just has not looked right at all this season, and it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, even the part, even the games when he looked good, he still didn't look that good. <laughs> We've seen him look better, basically. Yeah, he, he's an interesting case because it's it's he he he's like his reputation is like the. 918 save percentage goalie who yeah. doesn't make this the flashy save and doesn't let in this the soft one. I feel like that's that's how he's known mm. and has been known through his career. And this season he's just been mm. um kind of the opposite where he's he's he'll go on these stretches of making 10 saves where you're like, wow, like he's standing on his head and then the next shot is a yeah floater that squeaks in or he's just out of position or something and it's been frustrating and uh it's he's 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 I think going to be there's a few players that will be mentioned when with the Islanders and the trade deadline coming up, and mm. I think he's going to be the one where um, the Islanders will probably get uh, 
more than we think for him because of just how desperate some teams will be for goaltending. Mm. Minnesota, for example, now they need a goalie. So. Like they, yeah. they, they can't uh, keep going on with the way Talbot and Kakinen are playing. And we can talk about the Oilers as well. Like, but mm. like there's a, there's a few teams out there that Washington, yeah. Samsonov and v- Vanacek isn't going to cut it. So yeah. uh, there's, there's going to be teams out there that will make some, I think decent offers mm. uh, for Varlamov and he's going to be, even if he's having this weird season where a lot of it has been interrupted, you know, obviously started, started late because of an injury mm. and he had the COVID thing. Um, he was playing behind a team that was not at hundred percent and wasn't playing well to boot. Um, he doesn't get any scoring support, run support either. Um, but yeah, he's, he, I really don't. I'm. This is a situation where I'm kind of happy um, that I'm not. It, it, no one's going to call me and say, "Do we do we take this offer from the Capitals <laughs> or do we take this offer from the Oilers?" Because on, on one, this is going to be the conundrum with the trade deadline in general. Like on one hand, this team is starting to round into form, um, mm. even if the results don't come. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. These unlucky losses, just bank bank this good, bank some luck for next season. Keep banking mm. it. Um, and hopefully it regresses like the Rangers have had with their, they've had a horseshoe up their ass all season. And hopefully (laughs) the Islanders get one somewhat like that next year. But, uh, yeah, like is his next year is his last year. So you run, you run a lot of risks by keeping him. His value probably won't, won't get any higher than it is right now. Even like you said, like struggling season, but just that you're giving someone a goalie for a playoff run at plus, uh, Mm -hmm. next season. Obviously, he also has the no trade clause. So, yeah, there's there's like a really interesting discussion to be had for him, um, and it's it's gonna come down to I think how well does Sorokin play these next few weeks? Does do you feel comfortable with him being the number one guy and then bringing in someone like <laughs> you, you know I don't know, uh, Auntie Ranta type or Peter right. Mrazek, like one of those journeyman types rather than a more stable backup behind him i don't know like there's mm-hmm. there's he's he's gonna be a really interesting uh name out there um but he, he really doesn't get mentioned no islanders get mentioned uh during the trade when people are talking about trade deadline yet which is really funny because <laughs> they're clearly they're clearly sellers um yeah. but you know no one's been dropping really anyone's name uh uh if, when you read or listen to podcasts about the deadline so uh, well except for that espn during that game when they were convinced that kyle palmer yeah, was gonna yeah, get traded despite having a full no move clause and four years left on this oh contract. that was incredible <laughs> that i mean that we we talked about that broadcast uh, on yeah. at length last week and we didn't mention it and that was probably the most egregious mistake they made <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was like the kind of thing where you were Am I really hearing this? Why do they keep talking about this? But it was it was pretty insane. But it, they're definitely not going to trade Kyle Palmieri now because he's hot as a pistol. Like he tied that game. The Islanders had no business being tied in that game against the Canucks uh, on Thursday. And uh, Palmieri uh, in a set play. I think you joked that that might be the first set play the Islanders run have run all season, and it actually worked. Uh, the other great thing was that you had Palmieri. Parisi and Peugeot at forward, and then Pelic and Pollock uh, on defense. So it was the OP uh, setup, and uh, and they scored. And somehow the Islanders had life in this game. They had not played particularly well throughout the first two periods, said for them, the PK. And uh, now all of a sudden, looked like they could come in and win the game. And sure enough, they start the third period, and Anthony Bovillier scores off a turnover in front of the net. And it was everything was good. 
But then it was all the Canucks after that. About halfway through, uh, Nils Hoglander scored. Kind of a short side goal, not great. Um, there was a mix-up in front between Dobson and Palmieri. He left him open and he scored. Uh, Vasily Polkolzin uh, was the trailer on a play. He scores 45 seconds later. The Islanders never really kind of composed themselves. And that was it. And, you know, the Canucks, for the Canucks, that was a huge win. For the Islanders, that was a hugely disappointing loss. And, and again, with Varlamov, it, he made all these great saves. And then he just let in these two softies. And then the, the other two goals in the third period, he really I, – I didn't see him really having much help there. Probably couldn't do much with him. Um, the other thing about that game, and I mean, if you've listened to this podcast over the previous 193 episodes, you know, we don't complain, excuse me, 192 episodes, this is 193. Uh, you know, that we, we don't complain about reps that often. They have a hard job. They miss stuff. You, you know, you either benefit you or you're hurt by it. It just happens to everybody, whatever. I thought this game against the Canucks was a very curiously refereed game. Uh, there were at least two penalties, I thought, in the third period. A couple of slashes on the wrist of Oliver Wallstrom. Somebody got basically taken down or tripped at one point in the third period as well. It might have been Wallstrom, too. I'm not even sure. And uh, and the refs in both cases were, like, standing right there and then they didn't call anything. And, you know, would a power play have changed the fortunes for the Islanders? Eh, not really. They didn't play particularly well. And maybe even if they'd scored a goal, probably would have maybe lost in overtime or something like that, but that just, that just makes this really disappointing loss that much worse when it was just like, man, like (laughs) they're going to catch a break. (laughs) Like even, even the refs are against us now in this. And that's the last thing we really, I actually thought the the thing would continue throughout the next game against the blues, but it didn't. Fortunately, we'll get to talk about it in a second, but I I just thought that was kind of weird. And again, I don't, I don't like making fun of reps. I don't like criticizing them. I wouldn't want to do that job. I think for the most part, they probably do a pretty good job. But I don't know when you see when you see Oliver Wallstrom take a bunch of slashes on the hands as he's like you know carrying the puck across the zone, and you just think about all the times that the Islanders have been called for that exact same thing on other people, it just really pisses you off. And you know Matt Barzell is a, is a constant victim of attacks like that all the time, and he probably doesn't draw nearly as many penalties as he should. But I don't know. Again, they did not play that well, but that did that that probably irritated me more than giving up two goals in 45 seconds in the third period uh, because they had kind of been trending that way all the way. But what are you going to do? Yeah, that, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Weirdly, yeah. it was weird. Because there, there were some um, yeah, clears day ones that they kind of yeah. just didn't call. And um, I, I would I have been I, I think it's because like when you're uh, having a season like the Islanders are like the officiating is so far down the list. So I haven't really mm-hmm. noticed too much that too many bad games, obviously the, the disallowed goal epidemic going on for the Islanders is frustrating, but um, that's not really the refs as much as it is mm. just what, mm. what's what, whatever that they wanted to call in Toronto. But um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was probably the, the one that sticks out the most to me because mm. uh, yeah, it, it, a one goal game against the worst PK team in the, in the NHL, you'd, you'd hope to get a couple power plays, and they didn't. Uh, but yeah, they definitely didn't earn them either with the way they, that was <laughs> that was a right. an annoying game. And, and and as we talking about the game against St. Louis on uh, Sunday or Saturday, the um, mm. we've, we've we've been talking about how this has been a, a crazy season, and it really is starting to almost to a T um, mirror the twenty. 14 season the Vanek season and yeah. it, it even with the disallowed goals on, an, on a matinee yeah. <laughs> in the alternate jerseys against, against st louis, st. louis yeah. blues but like because those th- these kind of results and the, the way these teams have 
the way they played and well in games and lost ultimately uh, the, the, the swoon in the middle of the season, yeah. everything. It's just, it's, it's starting to really, really feel. Um, you can make the case that swapping Chara for Letty is kind of akin to the Vanek, you know, uh, uh, Molson swap from that year, you know, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's really, it's, um, they're, yeah. And they, they, they came off a season where they had pretty high expectations because they just, uh, right. made the playoffs in that lockout shortened season. And, uh, this was supposed to be the big moment. And then, yeah, they just came undone, uh, at the seams. So this is a, it's, it's very eerie if you think about it like that. And, uh, that, that those, this week has, has felt very, uh, 2014 to me. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, fe- I, oh, like they should be just, maybe they should just wear those black jerseys for one game. <laughs> Well, if this is a 2014-esque season, then maybe their offseason will bring in a new version of uh, Alok and uh, Grabowski, Kuhleman, Boychuk, and Letty, uh, like that offseason did, but that, that remains to be seen. But yeah, no, it does have that feeling. It really does. And yeah, you know, you don't have the big blockbuster trade, but you know, there are some swaps here and there that, or even the Palmieri for Eberle thing, even though they played together last year, kind of feels a little bit similar like that. But but the Islanders actually won that game 2-1 against the Blues uh, and have a pretty good record against them, of all things considered, over the last few years, which I was kind of surprised to find out. Um, this game, they also had no Barzell again. He, he was going to take warm-ups, but at the very end, you know, decided he, he couldn't do it, so he was out. Char is still out, but he was given a very nice ceremony. I got to be honest. Got a little misty uh, watching everybody kind of gather around him and and uh, take the picture and they gave him all stuff. It was I think hilarious to me, like Cal Clutterbuck taking a uh, a sheet off of a uh, framed portrait. <laughs> I don't know why I find the whole thing very funny. Uh, and then of course Josh Bailey right after taking another sheet off of another framed portrait. I find the whole thing kind of hilarious, but uh, <laughs> it it was, it was really cool and like you know it it puts a human face on things. Like we've sat here, I think rightfully criticizing Chara's play on the ice this season. The dude is going to be 45 in a couple of weeks. And, and I think even by his own standards, by his own probably admission, he hasn't played as well as he has in in the past by his up to his own standards. But boy, th- this team, you know, in just a few short months has really, really taken to this guy. And I think, you know, you, you heard about Wall- Wallstrom wore the hat after the game and with the uh, 1654 or whatever it is, the number on it. And, and they talk all the every player will talk about how how influential he is and how important his voice is in the locker room a locker room that he was not in a year ago but this is a guy who who carries that kind of weight uh wherever he goes and i don't know i kind of like to see him i don't know about stick around on the ice for sure i definitely would not want to see him but you know i don't know if he gets a you know a job or something like that his family is still in boston so i don't know but yeah it was kind of cool but i'm with you i think it's um it would be cool if he did decide to to stick around with like a Den- Dennis Seidenberg kind of role, like <laughs> whatever yeah. they are, like mentor role, yeah, yeah, like uh, team, you know, work ethic yeah. mentor. I don't know what do you want to say, team but Yoda, it, it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you, you, at, at some point down the road, this this move you hope will pay off in in those ways, right? Like on guys like that, that hmm. you, they are. I think we've 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 learned through this era that uh, having those kind of guys around actually does matter because when you look at who was around the the type of Zidane, Char, Zach Parisi types that they used to bring in in the previous regime, um, the 
basically all of them you can hear about on our other podcast, Weird Islanders, <laughs> Brian Ralston, and et cetera, Mark Eaton. Mm. Uh, it's 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 a completely different situation, and and when you hear, uh, you know, someone Rhett Rekshani talk about how Mark Eaton's work ethic is is uh, <laughs> some something to to behold, right. it sounds a little different compared to when you hear Oliver Wallstrom or Noah Dobson talk about Zidane Chara, it's a, yeah. there's something else there. Uh, and uh, so it's, it was, and it's, 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 it's I'm torn on him as well. Like he, hmm. cause we, there's no sugar coating out of the season's gone. And you wonder what's, nobody knows what he wants except for him and probably Lou. Like, would it be cool to see him get traded for, for, uh, you know, peanuts back to Boston to just be the seventh, eighth defenseman. Like, I think everybody would be fine with that. And, but at the same time, like you also kind of want him to stick around mm. in that kind of way, if, if, if possible. And if he's, he would be open to it, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, an interesting ex- experience with him. And one that uh, I think people at the same, I mean, we're, we're all disappointed with how it turned out, but I think people over hype just how much, uh, his poor play has meant to the team like because it's it's not just been him and we we all know that but like it's uh he's definitely been a part of it so yeah it's a it's another interesting one for when the deadline comes around because it's you're not gonna get really much for him but at the same right. time like you do hope that if he wants to go chase a cup he's he's mm-hmm. he gets a chance well i think he's exactly the kind of guy who would have a conversation with lula Morello like you were talking about before and if he was like no, I don't think I want to go anywhere. Lou would be like, okay. <laughs> I think yeah. he would probably be like, yeah, all right, well, that makes sense. And he would want to say, because again, we've we've talked about it. I, if I were Zidane Ochara and I had just set this record, I mean, maybe he's thinking about retiring. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. His family's been in Boston the whole time. I think part of the reason he liked signing with the Islanders was, I do think he'd probably maybe deep down wanted a little bit of closure with the team. But at the same time, again, he's close to Boston. He could you know see his family for the most part, probably very quickly anytime soon. So I, I don't think even if he would accept a trade, I don't think the options would be you know too f- few and far between. But he's also the kind of guy who might be like, yeah, you can trade me, and and we'll see what happens. And if he ends up getting traded to Colorado or something like that, then you know I think he might accept that too. I don't know, could be either way. But I I don't know. To me, every NHL trade deadline is really disappointing generally, and I feel like he, <laughs> people are going to get all hyped up for some kind of big char trade, and it's never going to happen. It's just he's going to. One other thing too about that ceremony was that I feel like the Islanders are having one of those once a week, whether it's for them or for someone else. Yeah, Zach is going to get one too, right? Probably the four hundredth goal, yeah, goal, and (laughs) and then uh, I think Bailey's will come next year if he's hopefully still around. Because honestly, if he doesn't get a soundless game as an Islander, it's going to be heartbreaking. But uh, in in a weird way, it's it's felt like a very it's felt like an exhibition season to begin with, like almost like it's the Islanders have not really factored into the NHL much <laughs> at all. So it's like they're, they're playing this ceremonial season while the rest of the league is going on. Right. Uh, because yeah. they're just honoring Andy green or whoever. And uh, I mean, uh, you could throw the Keith Yandel in there too. That was, that, that was, right. against that <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I could see that happening. It's just kind Drew of Dowdy. <laughs> oh yeah. Drew Dowdy. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, the the, the 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 it's been almost just nonstop. So, uh, right. yeah, and and you think because it's been the first season where 
a lot of the guys are coming back to play for the first the Islanders for the first time because of the pandemic. So they've had Everly and they've had Leonard and right. had Letty and <laughs> they're gonna have yeah, Taves. Right. Like it's it's just there's something every game right now and it, it just has felt very um ceremonial. I think in, in in uh soccer the, the a lot of times in the preseason uh teams will play testimonial matches for mm. you know, it would be like if char, if char if there was a char testimonial match like in the preseason they would play a random team in an exhibition game and everyone would just be honoring char and um you know he would score get a penalty shot or something <laughs> in the game and uh that's kind of felt how this this season has felt just in the entire mm. way well he's had really two testimonial games in cuz there was the one where he broke the record in San Jose where they had the video forum from Patrick Marlowe, and it was very nice of them. Again, we talked about it. He waved the crowd and everything. And then, of course, you knew something was going to happen when they came back to the island. So that's what, what yeah. happened on Saturday. And, so. and Patrick Marlowe, <laughs> who some – I think it was Kevin Kearns in The Athletic – said that he, he sees a lot of Patrick similarities between Patrick Marlowe and Josh Bailey, which – I. Someone he's going to need to sit down with me and point those ones out to me because I, I don't know if, well, they both if, if I well, see them. So there's that. Uh, yeah. And they both look really goofy when they take pictures. So that, that's all I got. Those are, yeah. only, those are the only two things. But yeah, yeah anyway. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it has been. I didn't realize. Yeah, we should put together a list of all the things. And of course, whenever they eventually play, they've played the Leafs twice at UBS. So eventually when they play uh, in Toronto, it'll probably be uh, the mayor will declare it John Tavares Day and they'll have a whole thing there. <laughs> Because uh, they have to do that. But in any event, uh, but on Saturday, uh, they played a, a good game against the Blues. It was a really chippy game, too. A lot of the fights, Mayfield and uh, Clem Costin fight, first ever NHL fight for Clem Costin. Um, but it was chippy all the way through. But boy, the Islanders came out, and, you know, man, it's, it's a matinee game. Like, these games are always sl- sloppy and slow. And, and this time, that that role was played by the Blues. Uh, the Islanders had a, had a lot of good jump. Walsham scored a really nice goal from a really bad angle on Jordan Bennington. I'm sure you'd like to have that one back, Brendan, uh, but he gave it up and staked the Islanders that very important one nothing lead. Um, and then Brock Nelson scored uh, on a power play early in the second period um, off a really sweet pass from Noah Dobson, who kind of faked a shot a little bit. Brock Nelson, by the way, 20th goal of the season for him, 6-20 goal season. And uh, he's got one more goal than Vladimir Tarasenko, the guy who everybody had pegged as like, you know, a Hart Trophy candidate. A few months ago, uh, Brock Nelson has more goals than he does now. So there you go. This fun fact for you. Um, and they kept it up for the most part. The Blues did decide to start turning it on probably about halfway through the third period. They eventually did score. Uh, Robert Thomas kind of jammed it in on the side, broke Ilya Sorokin's uh, shutout bid. But uh, the Islanders you know, scrambled towards the end of the game, but they got a huge block from Cal Clutterbuck. Uh, Pajot made a big clear there. Um, and, and they hung on to win. And, you know, I mean, the Blues, you know, I'm sure – Blues fans are wondering, yeah, well, when you play for 10 minutes out of 60, that's going to happen to you. And uh, But, I mean, give the Islanders credit. They played really, really well. Um, could have been 4 nothing at one point had Kyle Palmieri not had two disallowed goals. Um, you know, I mean, it's hard to argue with both of them. One, um, Kiefer Bellows was in the slot. His, his stick hit Bennington's stick. Bennington's stick fell, and he complained about it. Did Bennington uh, maybe loosen his grip up a little bit on that stick? Eh, I don't know. I have my doubts, but... In any event, it was goaltender interference. And then the second goal was scored by Palmieri himself, but his stick was a little bit over the crossbar, and so it got called back from high sticking. Um, you know, it sucks, but, I mean, they, they went on to win. Had they not went on to win, I would have a much different attitude about <laughs> both of those goals. Uh, and, again, I'd like to see uh, goals against the Islanders 
get that same kind of uh, you know microscopic treatment, but that's not always how it goes. But it was a pretty good game, and I don't think anybody really expected that. And you know, that's the first good team the Islanders have beaten in forever. And <laughs> the Blues, you know, they're a cup, they're a cup contender. They're really, really good. And uh, they did not have a good time in the New York, New Jersey metro area. They lost the Rangers. They lost in overtime to the Devils just now. They lost the Islanders. So they will be happy to get back to the Midwest uh, as soon as humanly possible. But uh, shots on goal were 27-20 in favor of the Blues. But, I mean, it was pretty dead even for the first two periods or so until they see Louis start turning on. And uh, and they played fast, too. That was the other thing with the Islanders. Like, they played fast, and they stuck with it. Like, they didn't – you know, they, they pushed through a lot of uh, Blues defending – uh, which is a thing we hadn't seen all that often. Like they didn't just kind of stop at the blue line and, and wait for a play. Like they pushed their way through and made it in there. And this again with no Barzell, no Lee. Uh, he missed the game for personal reasons. Hope everything is all right. Um, and uh, I think it helped them kind of get back to basics a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they're better without those guys because they're dumb. But I think, you know, they didn't have to worry about like sort of Barzy watching, which I think happens a lot for these guys and uh, could just go kind of go about their business and uh, play their system. And and it worked and they won and they, you know, they gave it a good effort. So uh, hopefully, again, that's not the high point of uh, this <laughs> month because that would have been kind of a waste. But for one game, it was nice to see. Yeah, they've, they've kind of been building towards that performance, I think, over the yeah. past week. And it would have been nice if they were they were rewarded more than just that one win. But uh they're not and yeah it's it does there's there's gonna be a run at some point because it just has to be and it does feel like that win should have been part of the run um more than maybe the start of one but which is probably unlikely because now they have to play colorado on monday Mm. again it's (laughs) like but uh yeah just it 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 felt good coming out of that one with the win and the, the, the the performances like are much more important than the results right now i think and uh, Dobson again and Sorokin again, uh, better from Wallstrom, uh, as well, who the, um, the cr- part of the Islander crowd of why doesn't this guy get more playing time has, has been very quiet lately because yeah. he's just not really been playing well. Yeah. Um, and then I like the trots kind of t- told everybody exactly what we all, if you, you had, you were, kind of more rational about it i guess kind of believe which was he's like yeah this guy's good he's gonna be good like he's gonna get there you guys just all want it to be right now and that's just not how it is um not how these kind of players are brought along uh as well and but yeah i thought he was good bellows that yeah. was pretty good um the parisi palmieri pacho line is has been a lot of fun to watch mm. too and and <laughs> it is gonna be hilarious when the Islanders re-sign Zach Parisi and, and, um, and everyone's like, Oh, when makes, makes, I can, I can guarantee you that this joke will be made by at least one, uh, hockey, you know, media account, which is, Oh, well, when you, when you, uh, when you have the opportunity to sign a 38 year old Zach Parisi, uh, you just got to do it. And mm. they kind of do. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, that's the funniest part of it. Like he's, he's, he's really, um, a good fit for this team. And I feel bad that this is how the season's gone with him because he deserves better. Um, he has been almost inarguably the him and Nelson have probably been the most consistent forwards this entire season. Yeah. Like when you think about it, you know, it just <laughs> I hustle so much. It's so much yeah. fun to watch. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so that, that, but that line has been surprisingly fun to watch. And mm. uh, I wish we could just loan them to whoever's playing the Rangers or Leafs uh, <laughs> in the playoffs because they're, they'd be a bear against, in those tighter checking games, mm. 
Uh, but yeah, lots of, a lot of positives to take out of this, um, this one. And, and the hope is that who knows, maybe they win the next five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought up the Wallstrom thing because yeah, Barry Trotz gave a, a really nuanced response. I'll put the link in, in there. And he talked about how, you know, it, this takes time and takes time to recognize defenses. It takes time to recognize, you know, what other forward lines are, you know, going to do to you. And that's why he plays against generally third and fourth lines. And he had a couple of real, real zingers this week. One was, and he talked about, you know, put turnovers are like ex wives. If you have too many of them, they start to cost you. <laughs> and then the other one was, uh, you know, you guys want everything right now, like McDonald's basically. So, uh, it was, uh, it was a good week for trotsisms and the Islanders in general, except for oh, that whole collecting points thing. But, uh, in any event, uh, it's been uh, about 45 minutes now, so we're going to take a break and, uh, we'll come back. Oh, sorry. Uh, one more thing. Uh, again, we don't want to, we don't want to make this obsolete. So after this point, we won't talk about any games anymore, but, uh, breaking news as of this morning, welcome back. Austin Zarnick picked up on waivers <laughs> from the Seattle Kraken, uh, after a couple of weeks away. He's immediately signed to Bridgeport. Maybe we'll see him again. I don't know, but uh, he's probably on a plane right now. So, Austin, welcome back. It's good to see you again. Or not see you, like, yeah. literally. But <laughs> but, but, but that, that, I've, I've got nothing to say there. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so, really yeah. funny. I love that, too, that in his stint in Seattle, he got a chance to play against the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. That's yeah. great. That's too funny. But anyway, I just love the, the NHL practice of like, oh, this so-and-so got lost on waivers two days later. Oh, so-and-so's back. He got picked up on waivers. But only only in NHL does this happen. You don't see a guy like sign a 10-day contract with the, with the Knicks, then sign another 10-day contract with somebody else, and then come back to the Knicks. You know, like it doesn't work that way. But anyway. Uh, okay, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to rant a little bit about uh, some uh, hockey media stuff that uh, has gotten our goat lately. So. Come back and uh, and hear all that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also has our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go to the Center for Dementia Research. They have a ton of cool stuff. They're announcing new stuff all the time. In fact, just today they announced some new stuff too. So check it out, vintageicehockey.com. Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play big pick for free anywhere in the U.S. or play for real residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. Click the link in the podcast description to join. Must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. They are available at your local wine shops and at UBS Arena. Please play and drink responsibly. 
So the trade deadline is two weeks from Monday. Uh, that would be March 21st. And uh, the Islanders, as Mike said before, are going to be a seller, uh, whether or not people kind of talk about them or not. But this means that things are getting amped up. You're getting the TSN insiders. You're getting the Hockey Night in Canada uh, intermission stuff. You're getting 32 thoughts. The big pushes for everybody. The names are coming out. And they're not really names that should be surprises to anybody. Claude Giroux is getting talked about. Thomas Hurdle is getting talked about a lot. Um, there's no guarantee any of these guys will still be on their teams, but there's no guarantee they're going to get traded later. Uh, I mean, Giroux seems like he's probably going to get traded somewhere. Hurdle seems like the Sharks want to resign. I doubt any of these guys are going to come to the Islanders at all. And then the, there's always some maybe surprise guys or whatever. Uh, Owen Tippett is a name that gets talked about a lot with the Panthers because he's kind of like a, uh, uh, a big draft pick from a few years ago that might end up being you know the, uh, the prize for some big guy that's going to help the Panthers this year in the playoffs. But uh, again, what it means is that a lot of people are doing a lot of talking and um, not a whole lot of them really know what they're talking about. And I think it's funny that you mentioned before the whole Zach Parisi thing and that, you know, somebody from the outside would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe this 38 year old guy who's got, you know, five or six goals or whatever on the season is getting all this playing time for the Islanders. How dumb are they? But I mean, if you've watched this team at, to this point in the season for over 50 games, you would have seen pretty clearly that Zach Parisi has had a good season. He's been snake bit a lot, but in terms of his legs and his hockey smarts, I mean, there's really between him and Brock Nelson, as far as the two best forwards on the team, as much as it would have been nice for him to score a little bit more, but that's how it is. If they brought him back on a, a you know, again, minimum deal, I, I think we'd all be pretty happy about it. I don't think that Parisi would be traded, but he's the kind of name that comes up. Char again, I, and if I was a Dano Chara, I've built up enough <laughs> gravitas in this league to maybe not get traded and be like, oh, I kind of rather stay here and then walk into the sunset. Maybe he'll just do that. Um, I don't think Anthony Bovillia gets traded. I don't think Josh Bailey gets traded. I don't know what the Islanders are going to do, um, but that's not going to stop people from like running their mouths and stuff like that. And and it's it's become a huge thing. And of course, all this stuff comes out of the center of the hockey universe, Toronto, which is having its own problems right now, including the fact that they can't stop anybody the Canucks went from Long Island to Toronto and they beat the the Leafs too and and right now they're kind of bleeding goals and so they're looking for fresh meat and a lot of that comes in the form of like well we can trade for this guy we can get that guy I don't know if any of this is ever going to come to fruition but it's never going to stop these dudes from kind of talking out of their ass about teams they don't understand and don't watch and don't don't pay any attention to until it benefits them basically so I guess what I'm trying to say is it's the silly season. And so brace yourselves uh, <laughs> out there because it's, it's only going to get worse from here uh, as the run up to the, uh, the trade deadline continues. Yeah. And, and one thing you won't really see uh, from the Toronto wing mm-hmm. of the athletic and hockey media is um, like it, when, when things are going really well for the Leafs, it's, it's a party for them because they are, um, even though they are objective journalists and are here to report on the team, they are also um, cosplay as fans. I guess is the best way to put it. But uh, right now, it's 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 all about uh, it's it's much quieter, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 it's it's almost as if uh, they are doing their part to to help encourage the team. Uh, right now, it's Jack Campbell who's struggling a lot, and the. the uh, He's, I think he's let him like four goals in eight of his past, at least four goals in like eight of his past 14 games. <laughs> and uh, he led a five to the Canucks on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada. And it wasn't, um, 
you know, you, you got to get a save that wasn't that kind of stuff, which you, me, everyone watching the <laughs> Islanders and other normal teams would, would probably be the one pointing that out saying, well, you know, they, 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 they need to get a save or play and play better defense. But for, for Toronto, it's, it's how can we, how can we um, gear the, the narrative towards propping this guy up? It's just very <laughs> strange. And it's like, they're all talking about his, he had a quote of like, I promise I'm going to get out of it. Like, what, what was he supposed to say? Like, I'm not going to, it's like this big deal. Now you're going to see a mural over mm. in, on like the CN tower tower or something of Jack Campbell, uh, pending free agent, by the way, um, <laughs> that he's, 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 you know, I, I'm promised you I'll get out of it. And, uh, yeah, it's not that it's, it's, uh, and, and John Tavares scored his first goal in 14 games. And you would have thought <laughs> that, uh, he, he, he said a, he, he was Ovechkin setting the, the Wayne Gretzky record or whatever, uh, because it was such a big deal. And uh, it's, it's incredibly creepy the way that these guys talk about <laughs> that team as if like they're, their friends uh, going, you know, applying for a job basically like, Oh no. Oh, you got the, you, you got turned down. It's all right, man. Like you'll get them. You'll get the next one. Or, or if you get the job, it's like, congratulations to, to you for getting the job. It's, it's an incredibly strange phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- at this point of the season, it just it gets weirder because of, uh, they they all have these ideas that they think that you know, Kyle Dubas. The first thing he does, obviously, every morning is he wakes up and he reads the Monday Morning Leaf Report. He <laughs> listens to the James Myrtle podcast, and then yeah, he makes his decision based off of that. And and when someone says, "You know who'd be a good fit for the Leafs," and then the Leafs go and get him, mm. uh, they then write the uh, the the feature about why uh, mm. I was right about the Leafs taking a flyer on David Camp for his defensive prowess and uh so we're, we're it's it's a fun time as long as they don't win it's it's fun because you mm. can, like it's right now it's a lot of fun it's 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 basically the best part of the season right now is is toronto flailing um and who could have saw it coming you know that, <laughs> that they they have a uh a two two goaltenders who have yet to really put together a full season playing with each other they're both very mercurial in terms of their performances and um they're, neither one of them are playing well right now. Their defense is without Jake Muzzin. Uh, who, another free agent, right? Another, yeah, and the best part about the Muzzin thing is he, he had a concussion, which you know you you hope that he's okay. But the 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 way that his his name is brought up right now is because the debate is whether or not to put him on LTIR and, and then use that cap space at the trade deadline. But uh, the cop. Uh, when you listen to them talk about that or read about it, everyone just says the same thing is, you know, you hope that because this is his second concussion of the season, we really hope that he's okay first and foremost, but the Leafs really need him right now. Jake, <laughs> if, Jake if you're reading this, please, right. please like, don't worry about your, your, what, what could happen. Like, do they really like, did you see, did you see their net front, front presence the other night? Like they need Jake Muzzin back. Um, but, but as, as long as you give the caveat at the top that you're, you're hoping that this guy's okay, it's, it's it's uh, it's okay to then say that stuff. It's 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 just a really strange um, <laughs> media presence, and yeah, and right now it's going really well with uh, with this team. And you hope that um, you know you're looking at their path right now, and it's tough. Uh, the, the Florida or Tampa probably in the first round, maybe Carolina if they drop out of uh, third place, which is possible because mm. the Bruins are rolling. Yeah. Uh, it's it it is setting up to be hopefully knock on wood a, another. Uh, fabulous spring uh in toronto <laughs> yeah uh, and and the yeah the media presence is never not fascinating and you do hear these same voices over and over again and, and uh gord Stellick subbed in for the jeff merrick show on friday and 
to be honest, I'm not sure why I still keep listening to the Jeff Merrick show because it's it's almost so many things that I completely hate about this kind of thing. I mean, I listen because Friedman comes on and I listen to him mainly, but then Jeff kind of takes him down the sort of like Leafs rabbit hole kind of often. But anyway, on on Friday, it was Gord Stelic and these guys, they don't have an off switch. Everything is only ever focused on the Canadian teams and the Leafs. And, and it really goes to show you how hard it is to get information from your hockey for your hockey team if you are not a fan of one of these teams it's like they he's only ever focused on these six and the, and the way they talk about it and the funny thing is like they they are not they don't hide it like they don't they're not shy about this and they're always like well it was a good night for the six canadian teams okay well what about the 27 other teams <laughs> like i don't know like whatever the math is 24 whatever like i i don't understand like why why they i guess i shouldn't say it i know why they do that that's their audience it's sportsnet it's an all canadian audience but like do these guys not realize that it is the year 2022 and like with a click of a mouse button, I can listen to this for my home in New Jersey, in the United States, people in Fort Lauderdale or Dallas, Fort Worth or Flagstaff or, you know, Bakersfield can listen to these guys and talk about this sport. And they have teams that aren't these six Canadian teams, but it's just funny. That is how they are oriented. They cannot change from that. And that kind of translates to the print media stuff too. And like, we talk about the athletic, we joke about it, but there was a bit of a kerfuffle this week. Uh, Dom L at the athletic wrote something about heart trophy candidates and he left off Jonathan Huberdeau, who is having an absolutely fantastic year, could possibly win the art Ross trophy. And of course that caught the attention of Alan Walsh, who never lets anything get out of his uh, electric eye. And he started this whole kind of, Back and forth on Twitter, which, of course, brought out all the athletic white knights to, you know, take up arms for their their brother who is being uh, attacked here by Big Bad Alan Walsh. <laughs> and uh, it's just the dumbest thing. It's just the goddamn dumbest thing ever. And I, I just, you know, and to me, what's funny is that, like, I don't think Jonathan Huberto cares. Like, they, they, it was it was Pride Night at the at the Panthers the other night and he was wearing, like, Love is Love shirt. And I mean, this guy just seems like a good dude, like. He doesn't care what this idiot at the athletics says. And I think he'd probably rather his agent just keep his mouth shut. But this is what happens, you know, with two weeks to go before the trade deadline, all this, this madness is going on. And, uh, and it's just because people are so focused on, you know, these, these six, you know, these few teams and these few players that they can't be bothered to like kind of worry about, you know, look at anybody else. And, and, and then they're defiant about it when they're called out about it. So yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> it's just, you know, and uh, like it's the as weird as the the Leafs media phenomenon is the the um athletic one is probably just maybe stranger. <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah. it's there's there's the the NHL that's happening in real life, right? And then the NHL according to the athletic, <laughs> and for some reason the people who work at that company that's supposed to be covering the real NHL, they just. Pre- tend that that one doesn't really matter mm, <laughs> and the yeah. other one does it's yeah. like yeah uh, it definitely it's, feels it's, like there's strange. there's like two separate you know there's like the leafs athletic and then there's the everybody else athletic and it's like why is this happening right now? <laughs> you know yeah. and and uh and the, the thing about it is like what, what really drives me crazy is that and i get it like we we're islanders fans like we get it we have this sort of reputation for being a little bit crazy there's the john Tavares thing that still hangs over us like we continuously get snarked on 
by everybody because it's easy. The Islanders have a very small media base. They have a very small fan base, however loud it may be. And so we're an easy target. Like it just happens that, you know, like you were talking about before, like, you know, you can't talk about the defense of the Islanders without mentioning that Devon Taves isn't here anymore. And it's like, yeah, that's a problem, but you can do it in a way that's sort of like, you know, a lot more kind of sensitive and empathetic to the fan base. And a lot of these guys that write for the athletic aren't, aren't that because they don't give a shit about the Islanders. And so you get articles about them on the site that are, you know, maybe they're okay. Maybe they're on the level and they're, they're nice to read, but those same guys are on Twitter being basically shit eating trolls. And then they get mad when they get called out for being Leafs fans and shit eating trolls by the people that they wrote about, you know, in the, in the article. And it's like, well, you, you can't be both. Like you can't be like, you know, dunking on and like LOLing a team over here and then write about them over here and expect and not expect people to be like, well, screw you. Like, why would I read this if I already know your feelings about this team? And, you know, I, I just, it, it made me really think about this. Like, and I think Kevin Kurz has done a pretty good job so far with the athletic. It's, he's, he's, he write, I, you know, I'm kind of, he's coming around to how he writes and it's tough to, you know, join a, a, a new beat in the middle of a tough uh, situation like this. It's tough to change jobs right now for anybody, but, you know, especially when you have like sort of this public facing aspect of it, but I think he's done a good job. And I mean, I think he'll come around to it and, you know, get better as, as it goes on. He's, he's clearly happy to be in, in actual person with these guys now, which is a good sign, but it really made all this, this whole discussion and it's gone on for the last couple of days has really made me appreciate what Arthur Staple has done for the Islanders. And yes, he's, he's a friend of ours. Like I'm, I'm totally going to cop to that. I'm not going to pretend like he's not, he hasn't helped us out over the years. He's come on. He's been our probably most frequent guest. Um, but the thing about it, and I know there's a lot of Islanders fans that, that, you know, had problems with his coverage, but my thing about it is he understood the fan base's concerns. He empathized and sympathized with what we were worried about and where our minds were at the time. And he tailored the coverage to that. And it's not like he couldn't snark, obviously, you know, art can snark with the best of them, but like, it never felt cheap. It never felt like a cheap shot just at this person or us or the franchise or whatever. It was always kind of rooted in, well, this is not going well and it needs to be fixed. You know, even when he, <laughs> that famous story he tells when he wrote that, you know, the Islanders are playing like a team trying to get its coach fired and Jack Capuano called him and yelled at him or whatever. Like, that's an observation that makes sense. And if you watch that team back then, yeah, I probably would have agreed with that. And, you know, the players might not have liked it. They certainly probably weren't trying to get Jack Capuano fired, but like, that's an observation that I think is both snarky and also kind of on the level and realistic and, and descriptive of what the thing was. And, and that's the way art was like, he understood us and understood the fan base and understood the franchise and all of the things that went along with it, all the baggage. And so when he, when he criticized somebody, it didn't feel like it was just a cheap shot or like a gif of, you know, Ryan Gosling gig giggling because that team is in seventh place four weeks into the season. Like that's the kind of shit that drives people crazy. And so if you're going to be that person, you can't be surprised when that team's fan base doesn't like you very much <laughs> or, you know, that guy's agent doesn't like you very much. Like they know they're not dumb. They can see this kind of stuff. And, you know, if, if you got to kind of pick a lane, basically, you, if you're going to be there's a way to be snarky and a way to not be snarky. And I got to tell you, another guy uh, who I basically know a little bit on Twitter, Corey Snyder is a guy who goes by shutdown line on Twitter. He's great. Like he he will explain 
the uh, advanced stats to you and he'll explain these certain things. And he has a good, he has a lot of fun. He's a Hurricanes fan, but he's never like just about picking on another team just for the fun of it. Like he's, he's pretty on the level. He's got a good sense of humor, but it's never like, you know, he's never a dick about it. Basically, I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. So if you're going to follow somebody for advanced stats, we'll follow Kerry Haber, obviously our friend, but, but shutdown line is good too. And that's a way to do it. And, uh, and that's a long way of saying that, you know, the hell with the Leafs end of the athletic. I hate those guys and they hate <laughs> us. So I guess we'll, we will never meet uh, in the middle in any of these situations. Yeah. And <laughs> the, <in, in> the <laughs> way that it's, uh, I've been holding that in for a few days, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we were supposed to, talk, to have this conversation last week, and I'm, I'm happy we pushed it because it's it's been a banner weekend. Um, <laughs> it's it's the the um, the idea of like these folks, their opinion mattering to like the world at large is um, it's remarkable to watch. <laughs> like, um, just <laughs> how do you spend your day? Oh, I was telling everybody that Leon Dreisaitl shouldn't have been on the MVP ballot. And, and, I also, and then I wrote 2,000 words why. And, you, you know, like. And these Oilers fans are all mad at me now. I don't get it. <laughs> it's like. And it's it's not heroic. It, and they, they act like it is this heroic thing. Um, I think it was Jonas Siegel had the best tweet of them all about talking about how. Um, he, that that um, has done more for the, the analytics than anybody in, in the world. And. Even if that was true, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and, that, yeah. is, is that like an important thing that you want rather than just trying to go out, be a nice person and do, you know, make your tiny changes to, to earth. Like, no, my, 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 my life's work was um, going out there and, and making sure that everyone knew that the way I saw and, and weighed and modeled the NHL was the right way and the only way. And uh, anyone who, who, who argued against me, I would just dunk on and hope that my, my friends would, would come to my aid and, and, and they do, which is always so fun. And once again, like here I am talking to, it was last summer it was because of his articles about Tavares or, um, and this time it's about that, this whole silly thing. And Steve Simmons, man coming out, like I'm loving this guy again. It's just, he's, he's, <laughs> t- t- he's, taking them down and you, when you're rooting for these folks like steve simmons and jim matheson you yeah. just know like it's it's the old uh, enemy of your enemy is your friend kind of thing mm. and uh it's it's really funny to to because six or seven years ago i would be like no this i can't i can't see myself ever praising steve simmons but here he is and uh it watch, watching the 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 gatekeepers of of hockey Twitter come out and weigh in, hmm. and then seeing Steve Simmons writing his his article, uh, and then them attack him has just been it's been a it's been a joy and <laughs> yeah yeah it's ho- hopefully uh, when when we get to awards time it's uh I mean that's the other thing like it, it, it doesn't matter who who it's this is none an of award. this matters it's like, an award that vo- gets voted on and then everyone forgets about it like I'm, right. i just yeah. hope that either daryl sutter or bruce brujo wins the jack adams and jeremy swayman wins the the rookie of the year because that's who i who i bet on in the beginning of the year but i don't i'm not going to write a a, a five thousand word feature on on why just because yeah. Mike Sullivan's team has had a, a better than expected season like he, he he actually hasn't been the, the reason why like 
I don't know that. Like Jonathan Huberto is really good. If, if if he's having a great season on a great team, like just because you you don't think that that's that warrants the MVP discussion doesn't mean anything at yeah. all. And um, then then yeah, when when McDavid or Matthews wins it at the end of the year, it's going to be like told you so. Well, um, and then the other thing too is like re- remarkable stuff. I'm just saying it's just remarkable. Yeah. Uh, it is and and then the other thing too is like they go out of their way to not write about the leafs or like kind of minimize the leaf stuff when you know that they think that they're the best you know like so it's like you can write this kind of stuff but at the end of the day we know who you are because again we (laughs) see who you are like you know it's like john cena you don't see like we see you there so it's just it, it really is remarkable and and at the end of the day and I say this all the time, and the thing that's really annoying about it is that, again, we are all just hockey fans. Like, we're all, all we want is to learn about our team, get as much information as we can. Like, you and I, and people listening to this, we just want to consume as much Islanders information and details as we possibly can. And we only have a certain amount of outlets there. If you're a Leafs fan, you have a million outlets out there. <laughs> if you're a Ducks fan or a Coyotes fan or a Stars fan or a Predators fan, again, you have a set amount of places to get that information from. And so like when those places are tainted by these people that clearly don't care about you, <laughs> don't don't, you know, they all they want to do is they have a, a a certain, you know, point of view that they're coming from that looks down upon you, really makes it kind of hard to enjoy what they're saying as opposed to just taking it in because I kind of have to like constantly do this. And like down goes Brown does this too. I mean, he's not like a stats guy, but like you're constantly hearing about, Oh, if I don't say it, talk about the Islanders, they're going to get mad about it. Well, dude, just shut up. Like just (laughs) either write about them or don't like, I don't, you know, it's, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's you know, this is so after, you know, 50 years as a franchise, this is all the only thing that we've ever done that matters is like, we get mad in comment sections. Really? That's it. That's your understanding of this franchise. So why on earth would I read what you're right? Like, I don't, you know, all we, all we want is information about our team and that's it. And, you know, again, if you're somebody that has your finger on the pulse of the fan base, you can get a little bit creative with it and have fun with it and get a little snarky if you need to. But at the end of the day, you're giving us information about it. And if you're not that guy, well, I don't know what to tell you, (laughs) you know, um, it's, and it's, it's tough. It's really tough, uh, you know, just to, it, it makes it makes being a fan a lot harder than it should be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's exactly it. <laughs> and that's, that's why like we always joke about the, the grow the game, this thing, you know, this is how you grow the game crowd. And um, right. you know, whether it's, it's David Pasternak wearing a, a fuzzy hat to the game yeah. and be like, well, this is perfect. Like, why is it the NHL marketing these players? Like, um, and, or, you know, that's that or, or, Oh, look at this amazing work I've done about zone zone denials uh, <laughs> and then you, so, Micah McCurdy tweets out a chart that right. nobody knows what it means like <laughs> oh you want to like you want to be a hockey fan you got to learn about both these things otherwise you're going to be vociferously shot down every time you you want to turn it turn on you, a game um, you see this tweet that looks like a bunch of melted crayons that's your homework <laughs> go figure it out and come back and then we'll talk about uh, each team's drip before the game oh <laughs> my God. that's my my new favorite thing is each team tweeting out their players coming into the arena in the same suit. Like, okay, everybody's wearing a suit. Congratulations. 
<laughs> what do you want? But I, mean, I tell yeah. you what, there was a turning point, and the NHL is about to really have its watershed moment with this Amazon Web Services oh. uh, face-off percentage. Oh, yes. Predictor. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Dude, it's not even face-off percentage. It's face-off win probabilities. Yes. Like that's <laughs> so. Yeah, it's so great that that's that was a big reveal, right? Yeah. Oh that's, boy, it's gonna change everything. Yeah, so. that's it. The, the, get, <laughs> but you know what's get, funny uh, is get that your season tickets now. Yeah. <laughs> what's funny though is that we're joking about it, but like if JG Pajot is number one on that list, we're gonna be like, you got that right. That's our guy, <laughs> JG Pajot. Finally, some that. respect for right. Brock Nelson. Go write about <laughs> go write about that. Put that in your MVP article. Brock Nelson, baby. <laughs> He's our guy. You look at that right there in black and white. Amazon <laughs> Web Services face-off probability leader. It's right. it's it's great too. This is this is like some being portrayed as by uh, and, and nobody pays attention to it because it's like a press release that people in right. the media are forced to talk about, <laughs> and then they're the only ones talking about it. But like even even in those circles that you you read about it, you're just like the NBA has had this kind of stuff for twenty years. Like it's the NFL too. Like this is. This is this is not something that's it's it's just not going to do anything. It's it and honestly would would somebody's probably like I don't really understand what mm. this what this is saying more than it's wow this is really cool. Again, nope nobody sitting in those seats cares. <laughs> it's no. just but uh but yeah, but that's all we get because we're hockey fans and yeah. this is this is this is what we what we get. You know, everybody wants expanded TV coverage. They want to be able to find their team playing on TV sometime. They want, you know, fair coverage that tells about their team, yeah. warts and all, but instead what we get is face-off win probabilities. <laughs> so let's take it. You'll get nothing like it. The, the Flyers and Blackhawks on uh, ABC yeah. uh, for the game of the week at 3 p.m., even though they're combined like 46 points out of the Flyers. Yeah. <laughs> and the Flyers are on it again next week, which is just – Oh, my gosh. I really love it. I love yeah. this league so much. It's so easy to avoid those situations, and they just right. can't – they can't even do it. Yeah, it's um, so actually, great. Dallas and Minnesota is on TV right now, which is kind of shocking to me. Yeah, but, uh, but there you go. But yeah, but it is what it is, and and here we are, and uh, we we'll, we will be here forever, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no signs of going anywhere else. But uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I think that's about branding. But like like Mike said, we we've been holding this stuff for a week, so we have a lot to say. But uh, thank you for listening to us. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, most importantly, most immediately, we have a new episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast coming up this week. Uh, our guest is going to be great, and his choice of Islander is absolutely spectacular. I cannot wait. There's a wealth of YouTube clips about this guy, which is kind of surprising to me, to be honest with you, but I, I can't wait. So that's going to be recorded Tuesday night, so it'll be it'll be released on Wednesday. So keep an eye open for that. And uh, we'll probably do another one uh, later on the end of the month, too. But uh, this one is going to be a good one. Um, make sure you read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Make sure to check out VintageIceHockey.com, Betway, The Pinot Project. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski with two E's. Uh, what's on tap uh, this week uh, for you at the Action Network? You got uh, Line Change probably Monday, right? Yeah, we record that on Monday nights and then, uh, yeah, Champions League. So we'll have a, a new oh, one right. for soccer betters uh, Monday morning, uh, talking about some Champions League matches and then uh, Premier League matches as well. Uh, Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, the, the soccer, this soccer season has been uh, incredibly strange because it's <laughs> such a, it's it like, 
as as weird as it is to have like this this whole thing going on um in in the Ukraine with ha- and and having so many prominent Russian players in uh the NHL and, and how that kind of like makes things a little f- feels awkward mm. when when soccer is such a global thing that uh, this this past couple of weeks has just been it's been almost it's been in parts encouraging and then also in parts like how on earth did did we get to this point where right. like FIFA FIFA think about like I mean this is going down a rabbit hole so let me get quick but like <laughs> the, the past two the two World Cups twenty twenty two and twenty twenty in twenty eighteen were going to be Russia Qatar then you think about the Olympics we've had in China mm. and Russia it's just like this is this is a uh, and and. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia just bought Newcastle. The owner of Chelsea was a Russian oligarch who's selling the teams to avoid sanctions and it being like praised for doing mm. it. Like, um, it's just an incredibly strange time in soccer right now. And uh, the Champions League final was supposed to be in St. Petersburg in Russia, and that I, I don't know if it's officially been moved yet, but will be moved. And um, but it's just it's such a. Um, mm. I think so, I heard someone put it because you, every time times are weird, no matter what time you live in. Mm. uh in 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 existence you know people who lived in the during the bubonic plate were like probably like this weird it's weird now too like it's always weird no matter when you're alive it's weird but someone said this is this is loose these are very loose times and i think that's a good way to put it it does it feels like you know these are loose times in the sporting world is definitely feeling it now yeah um as as a sports fan there are two organizations that i have less than zero time for one is fifa and the other is the NCAA. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> life is too short, man. Like I just can't. I mean, again, NHL is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But man, I just yeah. I cannot. I can't. It's it's one thing to be flawed, but it's another thing to be like downright evil. I just yeah, exactly. And, and, and just and be open about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Comically, openly evil. And I just I can't do either one of them. And I'll get my sports elsewhere. Thank you very much. But that's it. So uh, anyway, check it. <laughs> keep your eyes open for uh, for Wonder Goal and uh, Line Change coming out soon uh, on Mike's feed. So follow him at the Big Lebowski. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. And like I said, we're, new Weird Islanders podcast coming out in a couple of days. So check it out. Before we go, a uh, quick shout out to a listener who wrote in to me, sent me a very nice email. His name is Alex Richmond. He's in Ottawa. He said he is one of the few Islanders fans in Ottawa, which I totally believe. Uh, but I said the best thing about being an Islanders fan in Ottawa is that you got plenty of Senators fans to also hate the Leafs with. So, uh, and he agreed. So uh, thanks a lot for the great email, Alex. Really appreciate you listening. And uh, great job repping the Islanders out there in Ottawa. Uh, they really need it. Enjoy the games this week. Colorado to, uh, Monday, Columbus Thursday, Winnipeg Friday, uh, and then uh, Anaheim on Saturday. So it's pretty packed. So enjoy, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, thanks a lot. Bye-bye.